Early on a midsummer morning, as a time when people should still be sleeping, I decided to go to the Downs. They ran west, away from the village, about half a mile from where I lived, a patchwork of farmland, dirt tracks, and nameless flower-filled meadows. It had rained during the week, so the ground was soft and springy. I followed the narrow path out of the village, sidestepping muddy puddles, the red brick farmhouse on my left, the elm hedgerow thick with ivy on my right. I had walked this way countless times before, and its exposed flints and low-hanging branches were all comfortingly familiar. The day's early risers, jackdaws and rooks mostly, flapped and snapped as they fought for position in the greying ash trees that marked the start of the downs. The sky was warming from deep dawn blue to first light orange. By the wayside, thistles stood tall. Their fluffy heads hung sleepily like early morning commuters. I had the place all to myself. I crossed the bumpy grassland at a diagonal, winding along a public footpath that was more obvious on a map than it was in real life. Far away, I could make out pockets of woodland visited on previous botanical expeditions. Nightwood Copse. Pope's Bottom, Hazel Hill Wood. Memories of fly orchids and bluebells flicked through my mind. A short way across the valley, the beach-topped ridgeway was warm with the day's first light. Looking carefully, I could just about see the faded red flag that marked the edge of Salisbury Plain as it twitched and fluttered in the gentle breeze. Before long, I had reached the three oaks that marked the way through to the wheat field. Traveller's joy and honeysuckle had snaked themselves through the twigs that brushed the top of the hedge. I squeezed through the tiny gap and into the colourful field margin scattered with clover. Pyramid orchids poked up through the grass, perilously close to the edge of the crop. I followed the tree line south until there, where the edge of the wood veered away to the left, I came to my spot. Tucked into a thicket of blackthorn was a thatched bowl of yellowing oat grass and fragrant thyme. A well-positioned beech provided a backrest, with a seat between its moss-covered roots. All around, stubbly beech husks patterned the ground, lying in wait for an unexpected hand or backside. I wiggled myself into a comfortable position and looked out over the familiar features of the surrounding countryside. Oxide daisies, heavy with morning dew, bowed their flower heads melancholically in the grass just in front of me. On the other side of the field, where domestic met wild, there was a tangle of lemony perforate St Johnswort and lilac wild marjoram. Bright yellow wands of agrimony were just bursting into flower. As the land sloped away, lines of wooded hedgerows layered themselves one after another, field after field, silhouettes of ever paler greys and charcoals. Further still was the shape of Pepperbox Hill running lengthways along the horizon, its crest darkened by yew woodland. I first started coming here to record wildlife when I was 11 years old. It was something that I did at least twice a week, usually rushing home from school to cycle up to the downs for an hour or two before dinner. Pitton Ridge, as I knew it, was extremely species-rich, and I recorded nearly 300 plant species in that little corner of Wiltshire. Each year I explored endlessly, tracking down and identifying as many plants as I could. In the early spring, starry white blackthorn flowers began decorating the dark hedges, 
while cowslips and hairy violets formed a sea of contrasting yellow and purple in the short turf. Summer brought horseshoe vetch, wild thyme, and the amber corn on the cob heads of knapweed broomrape, before royal purple gentians and lilac scabious welcomed September and the start of autumn. Spending time wandering through the familiar assortment of wildflowers on Pitton Ridge was a way to place myself within the landscape. For 12 years, it was a refuge and a playground, a place where I was free to look at nature away from the judging eyes of my peers. There was always something to look at, no matter where I was or how long I had. The woods and downland occupied me for hours and provided a place from which my interest in wild plants could begin to grow.